40. If you've got a good memory, we did sing this as the middle hymn last week, but we want to sing it tonight. We'll worship the King, all glorious above. We'll gratefully sing his power and his love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. together and seek the Lord in prayer. We come this night to do what the hymn tells us to do, to worship the King. We thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ is the King, exalted far above all. And we worship him 
in the Trinity of the persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bow with reverence in your presence now, Almighty God, and our desire is that you will meet with us here, that as we come to the prayer meeting and Bible study, that the one that we come to to worship and to meet with principally will be very much in the midst of this gathering, that we will be conscious that God is here. And Lord, we do pray for the heart to be drawn out after him. We think of how David expressed that desire over and over again in the Psalms. He spoke about the heart panting after God. And as the heart pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And we pray that we will have desires and yearnings for the Lord tonight, that you will bless us, that you will remind us that God is over all in our circumstances and all that we pass through in this world. We think, Lord, of how the earth is populated with well over 7 billion people, and yet every child of God is precious in the sight of the Lord and is known to God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And he tells us that he knows them. And Lord, you know us tonight. And we know thee. We know thee as redeemer and saviour, as friend, as comforter. Abide with us tonight. Be one of our number. Bless each one that has come. Speak to us through your word as we come to read it and Meditate upon it tonight, Lord. We do cry to thee for the Lord to come by. Every meeting is in vain if the Lord's not there. And so we covet from the very commencement of this service a real sense of God's nearness, the presence of God to fill this room. We pray that we'll have a work of the Spirit tonight, a little reviving within. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Lord, in the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. How we praise thee tonight, that in wrath, wrath that justly should be poured forth upon this earth and upon so many that are wicked in this world, God remembers mercy. And Lord, you've you've dealt with us, not according to our sins, but you've dealt with us in grace and in mercy. And we are here tonight because of Christ. We're here because he has redeemed us. And we are saved. And we're glad to be in a place where God is honored. And where brethren and sisters meet together of like precious faith. To commune with the God of glory. To enjoy that fellowship, the one with the other. To benefit from such a time as this. And Lord, there is spiritual benefit. We know that as we come here and We have withdrawn from all the circumstances of family life at home. We have come here by the grace of God to shut ourselves in with the Lord tonight just for this little time. And it is a little time. Father, make it count. Make this time to be remembered. Because the Lord comes among us and he works with power effectually in every heart. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Did you welcome in the precious name of the Saviour? Good to see all who've come. And if you're listening in tonight and you're part of this meeting on the internet, we're always glad to have you. 
and we want you to feel part of the fellowship here at Hebron. Just a few announcements. They'll not be prolonged. On the Lord's Day, we gather for prayer at 8 o'clock. The Sunday school is back underway at 10.30. It was very encouraging to get that round figure. Last Lord's Day, 100 children present uh, with us and 10 of them. That means 10% were our friends from Ukraine. Lovely to have the children from Ukraine. The Bible class, quarter to 11. We encourage all those that are secondary school age and up to come to the Bible class and the study, as you know, is the shepherd in the shadows. Worship service is 12 noon. And then in the evening time, it's a valedictory service at 7 o'clock. And this is for our students that are returning to the Whitfield College of the Bible, or have returned now. The Montgomery Singers were to be with us at the mission, and they will be present to sing in the will of God. And I want to preach an appropriate message for the students, but for all of God's people on Sunday night. So remember to come and pray with us at 630 could I mention just this very quickly, there is, if you're interested in going and are able to go, an evening of gospel praise on Monday night, and that's at 7.30 in the Lodge. This is one of the, the uh, praise meetings that are organized by our brother Desi, and uh, you'll see from that little advert that Pastor Valentine and his family will be there, and Eric Stewart will be bringing a word. So we'll be praying, praying for you as you have that Monday night meeting. Can I also mention this day week, it's our missionary night and uh, it's a deputation service for the Reverend Ankel Alvarez, uh, who is a pastor in Spain in the congregation at Alcacon. Do we have the facility to, to show a little video clip? And there's some sound with it as well, so we'll, we'll do our best. This is just a little video clip. When I was 16 years old, it was the first time I heard the gospel. I never heard anything about evangelical church. So it was very hard for me to come into an evangelical church for the first time. And then after a year, more or less, uh, I got saved under the Reverend John Hanna's ministry. And then I went over to, to Ulster, to the Wafield College of the Bible. The Lord says in, in, in the scriptures, that uh, we have to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and into the rest of the world. We want to spread the gospel to reach out all those farther provinces in Spain. Este es mi hogar. Este es mi país. Y esta es mi gente. Sing together number eight, ye servants of God, your master proclaim, and publish abroad his wonderful name, his name all victorious, of Jesus extol, his kingdom is glorious and rules over all. Let's stand to our feet.
may be seated. Returning to the Psalm 73 this evening. The Psalm 73. It's a wonderful psalm and I think we should read it all. There's 28 verses and maybe we'll get your help tonight. We could read responsibly. I'll read verse 1. You read. As Dr. Pierce used to say, you read, not mumble. Uh, verse 2, I'll read verse 3, you read verse 4, and so on down through uh, the chapter. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, I think for all my steps are well my steps. But I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than heart could wish. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue Walk us through the earth. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. God bless his word in the reading of it tonight. I put a title on this whole psalm tonight, From Dark Providence to Divine Light. And that's what we want to think about this evening. 
How many times have you wondered what on earth is going on? Uh, Just for our Ukrainian friends, I hope this translates okay and that it makes sense to you. I can't read it at all. Okay. Many times have you wondered what on earth is going on? What, What is happening in my life? What is happening in my family? What is happening in my country? I just don't understand. I can't interpret my circumstances. I fail to understand the way that God is leading, what he is permitting, why this should happen to me. Some dark providence has overtaken. Some, some awful storm has erupted in your life. Some severe trial has Christ in upon you and you just don't understand. Well, I want to tell you tonight that you're, you're not alone. There's so many in the scriptures that we could think about tonight. I often think of Jeremiah, the prophet. In Jeremiah chapter 12, he couldn't interpret what was happening in the nation. He couldn't understand why the wicked were prospering and the people of God, the nation of Israel, were suffering. And that chapter 12 deals with that subject. I also think about Joseph. We're not told in the Bible that he questioned or he wondered, but I'm sure he did. All that was going on in his life from the day that he was sold as a slave until he arrived in Egypt and then everything that befell him there. I think of Daniel, uh, steadfast to the Lord, a man of prayer, and, and yet he ends up in the den of lions. And I think of David, I think of the Psalms where... He cries out, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And there were many times that David couldn't understand things. And here we have a man by the name of Asaph. This is the second psalm ascribed to Asaph. And it is the first of 11 consecutive psalms bearing the name of this eminent singer. So from this one right through for 11 psalms, you'll see that the title has his name. Some believe that Asaph was not the author of this psalm, but rather it was David, and he dedicated these psalms to Asaph that he might sing them as the chief musician. I'm not sure, I don't know, and I don't think we really do need to know. Not for our purposes tonight, it's not overly important. Whoever the author is, he is not able to interpret his circumstances. Certainly not at the beginning. The the theme is that ancient stumbling block of good men. And what is that? Why do the wicked prosper and godly men suffer? Haven't you heard that question asked? I'm sure you have in your lifetime. Why do God's people suffer and the wicked just seem to get away with everything? Job's friends could not get over this. You know that whole debate couldn't understand this, this godly man and how he was suffering. And of course they began to think in their minds, well Job must have done something terribly wrong for him to suffer in such a way. We also know that heathen philosophers have been puzzled by it. Why are good people suffering and evil people seem to prosper? And many, many believers have stumbled right here. The psalmist begins with a declaration of confidence in God. We have that in the opening verse that we read. And this, this is an important verse. It sets up the whole psalm. 
Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. It is as if he's planting his foot on a rock before he pours out his complaint to God and he he recounts this inward conflict that he has. And that's a good thing to do. It's good to, it's a good place to be, I think, tonight before you try to unravel life's mysteries and the dark situations that we face. Before you would ever consider the hard troubles in this life and fail to understand it's a good thing to make sure of what we do know because that will be a needful anchor when we are buffeted by those mysterious storms which we don't understand or we cannot interpret. You want to get to this position, brethren and sisters, before you ever begin to to question before you ever begin to discuss in your mind and your heart what's happening in my life or what's happening out there. You want to be able to say, truly God is good, even to such as are of a clean heart. You want this to be an anchor to your soul. The psalmist believed wholeheartedly about what he said here in this opening verse. But there was another truth that disturbed him greatly. And it almost made him stumble. And that's what he goes on to say in the second verse. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He saw the prosperity of the wicked. And from verse 3, really, right through to verse 14, he states the the temptation that he was facing. (coughs) If I can kind of paraphrase it the wicked don't have any agonizing deaths they seem to die peaceably they don't have the same troubles and sicknesses that we do they're well off they are they have more than their heart could wish they speak against God and against heaven and yet they prosper it seems that they prosper in this world they increase in riches The psalmist himself wonders why he says that that he is plagued and he is chastened every morning. He's even tempted to think that it was an empty thing for him to have his heart cleansed before God and, and to walk in this world in holiness. Is it really worthwhile being a child of God? The questions being asked here are of this nature. What good is there in being good? If the wicked have the same prosperity as the pure in heart, then what is the reward for godliness? If God is in control of things, the plans of the wicked should fall. The ungodly should be punished and not prosper. Only the godly should do well. And that seems to be the mindset of the psalmist. But that's not what he saw when he looked out into the world. And that's not what we see either. Very often, we observe the vilest of men prospering in this world. Vile rock musicians and film stars. They become multimillionaires. And they are elevated to places of prominence and, and popularity. 
deceitful and dishonest businessmen commit some of the most immoral crimes and they, they seem to get away with it, at least for a time, like Jeffrey Epstein. Leaders over the years that we've seen over the past 20 years in Al-Qaeda and ISIS and they seem to prosper and get away with their crimes. And of course, more recently, Putin, he must be top of the list when it comes to this. And he seems to be getting away with it all. The psalmist, however, was not seeing the full picture. He was not seeing the eternal view. He was not watching things through the eyes of God. And thank God he goes on eventually to declare how he is enlightened and he's brought to understand some of the great truths in the midst of his dilemma. And he finishes by renewing his confidence in God. If you go right to the end of the chapter, chapter begins so well in verse 1 and ends so well in verse 28. The last line, I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. It is my prayer tonight that anyone who finds himself in such a place, a dark place, in circumstances that are difficult, and maybe you're even watching out there the ungodly, and you see them prospering, you see them getting on in life, they don't seem to have the problems that you have. It's my prayer tonight that if you're suffering, that you might be led to the same kind of light that the psalmist is led to, to acquire a better perspective of life, death, and eternity for the Christian and for the wicked. And so I want to notice, first of all, the place of clarity. Look at the opening part of verse 17. The psalmist says, Until I went into the sanctuary... Of God. The author of the song is brought into a clear and an unmistakable place. You'll notice in the previous verse, verse 16, having mentioned all the things that are mentioned from verse 3 onwards, he says, When I sought to know this, it was too painful for me. Must have pained him deeply in his heart when he felt his own suffering in his life. And yet out there, the ungodly were were prospering. The psalmist could not deny the evidence that showed that the wicked and the ungodly often have good lives. He did not deny that his own life was often hard, leaving him as he felt chastened by the Lord. And as he contemplated these things, as he meditated upon them, he mourns. It's too painful for me. However, a massive change occurs in his thinking when you come to verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. What he saw in the ungodly disturbed him. What he felt in his own life perplexed him. And I'm sure it was with the thought... It just isn't fair until. And you want to mark that word, 
because it makes a massive difference now to the whole story that is unfolded in this psalm. Everything around him only brought him misery and pain as he tried to weigh up what was happening until, until something happened. And what happened? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. The expression here is a reference to the Lord's house. God's house, the place of worship, the place where God said he would meet with his people. There in that place of the presence and the power of God, he was able to see things differently. He gained a perspective on his problem that he didn't have prior to this. It was here in the house of God that he was able to see things from an eternal perspective. The sanctuary of God points to a place of light and understanding and clarity. It is when we withdraw from from all else, come away from our, our circumstances, whatever they might be, and we hide ourselves in with God in his house. We begin to, to look to him. We're able to see things differently. Indeed, as we begin to look at matters through his eyes, we see things in a clear way. It becomes bright and understandable. I think most of us have been in such a place to some degree, some more than others, I accept that. When we have dwelt merely on our circumstances, we've looked around us in this world, when we have viewed the the world and the ungodly and all their prosperity and advancements, even their joys and their comforts, our heart has almost died within us and our steps have faltered. It's only when we can shut ourselves in with God in his sanctuary and begin to see things through his eyes, see them the way God sees them, putting eternal weight and value in the subject that we are able to see clearly. There are those who remain in darkness this very night, even among God's people. And they can't interpret what's happening in their lives. And they can't interpret what's happening in the country or in the world. For this very reason, they have not come to the sanctuary. They have not come to the house of God where the Lord brings light and understanding. Oh dear struggling soul, come to the light of God. And he will shine his light upon the subject. I want to say, secondly, that there is the perception of destiny. He begins to understand now something about the destiny of the ungodly. We read on in verse 17. Then understood I their end. And take the next few verses just for information. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh. So Lord when thou awakest thou shalt despise their image. What happens? The psalmist went to church. Okay. That's the way we would put it today. He went to God's house. He went to the temple. It was there that he was gripped with eternal convictions that that steadied him up and enabled him to walk with firm assurance. By prayer, 
and worship and listening to God's word, he understood that God was at the center of everything. God saw the wickedness of man. God allowed that wickedness for a time. But that moment of their end comes. Not just the end in this world when they die, but, but where it all ends for them in eternity. Their end, that, that word literally means their afterward, their future and eternity. That's the end that the psalmist has in mind. Oh, there is an end. There is an afterward. There is a day of reckoning. And sin will be judged. Man will stand on that great day before the Almighty. And sinners will give an account. And all will be brought to light on that day. The wicked will answer for every deed that they have done. And we have to say Putin will answer to Almighty God one day. Maybe sooner. Maybe sooner than we think. For all that he has done. We ought to keep Peter's question in mind when he said judgment must begin at the house of God and if it first begin at us what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God what shall the end be when you think of the ungodly oh it's an awful end it's an eternal end it's a fiery end it's an inescapable end It's a fearful end. It's an end that you would want to escape from with all haste. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So said Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 14. And the beloved John, he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The works of the wicked who prospered in the world. The deeds of the immoral who seemed to flourish in their sinful ways. The acts of carnage and death and destruction and brutality. And barbarism will be judged according, accordingly, and men will be sentenced eternally. And down, down, down they will go. Down into the caverns of the fiery furnace, into the sides of the pit of hell, will men descend in gloom and in misery. Then I understood their end, said the psalmist. I got my eyes opened when I went into the sanctuary. I want you to notice thirdly that there is a confession of stupidity here and we have it in verse 21-22. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant I was as a beast before thee. The writer confesses before God his his lack of understanding. Before he went into the house of God, he didn't understand. He himself 
was so foolish and ignorant. That's the words that he uses here. He had forgotten the great truths about God that he ought to have known. About God's character, God's holiness and God's judgment. Truths about eternity. Truths about the end of the wicked. How foolish and ignorant we are too often when we get our eyes of the Lord and we focus upon others in this world and we focus upon our adverse circumstances when we fail to understand the end of the wicked we see the ever present now don't we the, the prosperity of the wicked the, the enjoyments and the pleasures of the wicked and we look inwardly to ourselves and we see our losses and our crosses and our burdens and our troubles we even question the goodness of God Lord why have you allowed this to happen and we wrongly accuse him of being unfair it's not just it's not right you ever felt like that and why why do we get to that place simply because we are foolish and we are ignorant like the psalmist Frail creatures of the dust. We lose sight of the infinite, sovereign, and eternal God who reigns, who will bring all men into judgment, including the wicked who prosper. Indeed, Asaph or David, whoever it is that, that wrote these words, confesses himself to be like a beast before God. Mark it there again, verse 22. <coughs> I was as a beast before thee. I'm no better than an animal. An animal that has no concept of God and no concept of eternity. They live their lives for momentary pleasure, satisfying natural desires, and nothing more than that. When I fail to understand, my friends, when we forget about eternity, we forget about the everlasting consequences in the life to come. We are no better than the beast who fails to understand these things. I'm going to give you a few more thoughts and I want you to go home tonight and think them through. I want you to look at verse 23 through to verse 25 because there is here a realization of sufficiency. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. See how wonderful the psalmist is coming into the light now having gone into the sanctuary, having gone into the house of God, where all things are revealed to him, where he's got light and understanding. He's now saying that all he needs is God. His sufficiency is in God. Look at verse 26. He goes on to admit his own weakness. There's the admission of frailty here, where he says, My flesh and my heart faileth. And in the other part of the verse, we have a declaration of certainty. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion 
forevermore. I am weak of myself. I have no strength of myself. But God is my strength. The strength of my heart, he says. And he's my portion forevermore. And then in verse 28, there's a recognition of profitability. And what is the profit here that is outlined for us? It's the profit of prayer. It's the profit of coming to the Lord as he has done coming to the house of God, to the sanctuary. He said, but it is good for me to draw near to God. And this is where the psalmist went. When he went to church, when he went to the temple that day, he drew near to God. And that was a good thing because it brought the light and the understanding that he needed. And here is where we must go. In all our perplexities and all our difficulties in this life and all the things that you fail to understand out there, whether it's personal in the family or in the country, we must go to God in prayer. And so this psalm brings us from slippery feet to steadfast feet, brings us from unsteady ground to unshakable ground. And brethren and sisters, that's where we need to be in the midst of every storm that comes our way. May God help us to profit from what we've read tonight in his word. And I trust that he'll add his blessing to the reading and also to our meditation in the scriptures. I'm going to sing about the foundation that we have. It's the hymn 570. I firm a foundation. The saints of the Lord is led for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you? He has said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled. <clears throat>
you may have heard that Paul's mother has had a fall and has been taken into hospital. She has broken her hip and she will need surgery. So please remember she's in one of our Belfast hospitals, I think it's the Royal. We pray for Pauline Clinton in these recovery days for Ivor. Had a short time with Ivor earlier this evening and he is making progress. We're glad we will say that and he appreciates the prayerful remembrance of the church here. Remember Jean McCauley in hospital in these days of recovery also. And little Ada, uh, she's doing well. She's bouncing back and she will do. Children are very resilient. And then of course all these other folks that we are remembering. Right there at the end of the list, not at the end because um, he's last thought of by any means, but Hossie. And we want you to remember Hossie Bernabeu. Hossie will be starting treatment this Monday because of the cancer. He's getting chemotherapy. And you pray that that will go well in his life and kill off the bad cells, the cancer cells, and that he will recover well. And pray for joy and for the family also. Over in the Philippines, our brother, the Reverend Ebenezer Nombre, they are reaching out by way of outreach and uh, he sent this week some photographs of a new work that they're opening this is Ebenezer on the right hand side some of you may see him from time to time on a social network some of the folks that are coming together to hear the gospel they made an appeal made an appeal uh, for help to get 50 chairs. The chairs are the plastic type, you know, those white plastic chairs, and uh, some Bibles, a pulpit, and also a blackboard. Okay, so that's what's going to make up their little church as they reach out to these people. Our committee took a decision last night to send a gift that'll cover all these things. Um, not very expensive, really when you think about what things would cost here. So we're, we're glad to help. We're also glad to help in Pakistan. You've seen the flooding and the monsoon devastation that has been caused and people wading through the water to get to safety. And we have had folks there who have been in contact with us now for several years. And we were able to help as far as our mission board was concerned, we were able to send relief to three different areas in Pakistan. And uh, these pictures were coming through the past couple of days. From our, first of all, from our sister Deep. And as they give out help, they're gathering them together, teaching them the word of God as well. Taking the opportunity to give them food, as you see on the left-hand side, but giving them good gospel literature on the right uh, picture there. And then her sister, Freya, uh, you see Freya, you might know her with the, the blue bag there. She's uh, giving out help. She, she travelled 700 kilometres from Tuesday until yesterday, uh, just going out and meeting people and, and helping them with food and clothing and medicine. So again, something to remember uh, before the Lord in prayer. We're also happy to hear from yourselves any request 
that you'd like to leave with us. We pray for Ukraine. We, we hear what Putin's trying to do. We, we see it in the, on the television. And he's trying to muster up another 300,000 reserve troops to be employed in this war, in this invasion of Ukraine. See, that's not going too well. The Lord can overthrow wicked men and his own people are even beginning to rise up a little against him. We pray for those that are still back there, all of these folks of family back there. And uh, we think of Lena's husband, who's a pastor working there, preaching the gospel, serving the Lord, and others. So I can't really ask them to participate and tell me something unless, unless Tanya does all the translation. Noreen, good to see you. Your days are numbered as far as being in, in Northern Ireland. Uh, all our days are numbered. That <laughs> uh, came out a little bit wrong, did it? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Some of you that are laughing the most, you have less numbered days than, than some. But anyhow... I'll tell you something later, but not, not while we're online. Um, Noreen, uh, the work is going well in Uganda, even in your absence. I know when Noel Shields has arrived safely. Okay. Lovely. These are all men that have helped before and I know in a way you're, you're anxious to, to get back to what you sometimes have referred to as your babies. Uh, I'm sure you miss them and they miss you much. But we're, we're thankful for such an opportunity to serve God in Uganda. And it is a mission field. Just right there in the school you have 500 children thereabouts that are hearing the gospel every day. And then whatever else is being done in the wider community, out in the open airs, I'm sure David will have a report for us. But out there in the community, going house to house, hut to hut, whatever it might be, and giving out gospel tracts, sharing the gospel with the local people, endeavouring to take a stand for the Lord. And everything is done, being done through the church, of course, the Emmanuel uh, church that is there. So in order we pray for you, that the Lord will bless you. Continue to remember all our missionaries as they serve the Lord in various parts of the world. We are a missionary-minded church, and we want to keep that up. If you're not missionary-minded, you're not a New Testament church. New Testament church is going into the world, preaching the gospel. Remember Brother Bill Woods? Bill has been getting treatment for his cancer that has been there now for, for many years. And he's come out so far very well with the treatment. Two and a half years ago, they... They gave him a drug that would normally last for six months and then things would deteriorate afterwards. And they've been astounded that it's lasted two and a half years for him and kept the cancer at bay. But the, the thing's going up again. New treatment is now being given. And our brother Bill is intending to go back again uh, for two and a half weeks in the month of October. So pray that the Lord will be with him, go before him and prepare the way. We're hoping to have Bill here. Um, I think some time ago he maybe stopped doing much preaching. But we're hoping to have him here. I don't know why he's listening in tonight, whether I should say too much about that or not. But he is, he is praying about it. 
He has a number of slides that tell his testimony. But not only tell his testimony, they give a missionary challenge. And uh, I had to go and see Bill yesterday, spend a little bit of time in the afternoon. And he was just thinking about all the, the young people in the free church and saying what potential there is if we can only harness that potential for the Lord. And I know that he would love to come and challenge our young people. And it will be a challenge. So we've penciled in, don't know why Bill is listening, we've penciled in the Friday night of our missionary weekend in January because we'll have others there coming in. And we want to make that a big night to listen to the challenge of missionary endeavor. So please do remember that before the Lord. That'll be a good weekend. It always is. Anybody, any requests that you'd like to bring before us tonight? Maybe any, something I've missed or something that's on your heart. Well, we'll give you a moment to think. We'll, we'll say goodnight to those that are listening in on the internet. Always very glad to have them. And when we come to our time of prayer, times of prayer are more personal and intimate, so we, we go offline. And that just gives us an opportunity to pour out our hearts to the Lord as a people that love each other, that love the Lord, that love his work, and have a desire to see that work going forward. That's just a wee message saying we're going offline. Okay. So we're gone, Samuel.